Welcome to Save the Cowboy. This is Pastor Kevin Weatherby, and I invite you to saddle up and ride with us as we strike a trot to the backside of God's green pastures and learn how to live for Him. Wednesday morning, me and Jared pulled up to an outfit just between here and Elbert to help them work some cattle and, and do some stuff, and Man, it was kind of overcast. It was a, it was a great morning, and and so we went out there, and uh, man, it was just about as beautiful a day as you can imagine. And uh, so we were gathering these cattle, and everything was going good, and everything like that. And then whenever uh, they was hauling the cattle out to the Bijou, and and whenever they got done, they got all the you know going to have to make two trips. Bossman looks at me and Jared, and he said, "Would y'all mind going and roping something and doctoring it?" And me and Jed were like, let me think, uh, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> so we, we did some other stuff, and then we go to find this heifer, and, and this heifer's got hoof rot. And, you know, I, I had really never been around hoof rot or anything like that, except whenever I had that bag case athlete's foot whenever I was in high school. But LA 200 and iodine, I didn't know anything about that back then. But anyway, we gathered up the medicine and we gathered up the iodine and, and we went down there and we went through this awesome wire gap gate that took me and Jared 45 minutes to figure out how to get it open. It had been fixed cowboy style all the way. And so we went through and we're loping out across there. Jared's on Dancer, I'm on Fiona and we're having a good day. And Matt, I say that I, not being the smartest cookie in the bunch, well, I probably was. It was me and Jared, but uh, <laughs> it was still overcast. A little bit of thunder, a little bit of lightning. And I could see the debate in Jared's mind as he rode off, and he said, I probably won't need my jacket. So he leaves his jacket at the truck. Of course, I'm from Texas, and if it's below about 81, I start losing feelings and fingers and toes. I'm, I'm so cold, so I'm all bundled up and I'm ready to go. And I got my rope in my hand and Fiona down below me and we're trotting out across there. And I mean, we spot this, this heifer that's got this hoof rot and, uh, and I'm thinking, well, you know, she's got hoof rot, you know, it won't be no big deal. And so I walk up there and the minute I take down my rope to start, it was like, uh, some ants or something they all crowded around this one heifer that i was trying to get and so i threw one loop and i missed i missed on purpose because i wanted jared to have a shot and so anyway he kind of got her lined out and he threw <laughs> i ain't joking i make fun of jared all the time and i can do that because i make fun of myself but he threw the most prettiest loop you ever saw kind of right over his horse's head to the left and it was going a little far and he just pulled it right back and it snagged her and he dallied up and everything. And then for the next four and a half hours, I tried to heal this heifer. <laughs> Jared was doing all he could. And I remember this one instant, and, and by now, you know, Jared's got this big, thick, heavy rope and I've got this, this little three-eighths. Three-eighths is about my size. And, but I got like 60 feet of it, and you know, Jared's riding in a double rigging. He's over there looking at it like a monkey looking at a math problem. He's like, I got way too much going on here. Rope the heifer. And I'm like, I'm trying. And so anyway, I get up there, and as soon as I start to swing this little bitty thin rope that's better used for dragging calves, the wind starts blowing seven million miles an hour. I was swinging like this, and my loop stayed just like this. 
the end just kind of did like this as I whirled around. It was pretty awesome. And so, you know, I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to go around and I miss, you know, a couple of times and everything. And then finally, I quit trying all that fancy stuff because about as fancy as I could get was stand at the other end of the pasture and just throw the whole dadgum rope up in the air and just let the wind take it and hopefully I'd catch something. And so finally, I'm like, I'm just going to track her up, Jared. So I get around there and I get going and Fiona and Bushy were working like a dream. And I squeal in there. And I throw that hip shot in there, and two feet go in there just as pretty as can be. And I go like this, and I lift my slack. And I guess that was a cue for Fiona to run up the rope and go under it. I guess she was trying to limbo or something. I couldn't get her backed up. I was going like this and turning, and I won't lie. I said a bad word. I was a tad bit hostile towards Fiona. She deserved it. Rope's now on the ground. Heifer's still standing there like, man, maybe you ought to go get on this other cowboy's horse and let that cowboy get on your horse and maybe I'll get this done. And so Jared, you know, she's running around and everything. And every time I throw my, my loop and everything, the other cattle would just come in around it and then they'd get tangled up and Jared's rope and it was kind of a wreck. It's a typical cowboy thing. I mean, if you've never been out there to do any of this stuff, I mean, there is no scripted Okay, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, I mean, each individual thing is just, is a, an adventure in itself. It's never the same way twice. And she was wheeling around one time and her legs got caught up. And this is a big heifer. This is a pretty big heifer. And, and she falls down and Jared has the gall to tell me, just jump on her, get off. <laughs> what was I going to do? Use my massive body to hold this 500-pound heifer down on the ground. <laughs> It'd have been like a balloon out there in a carnival deal with kids. I'd just been flopping around and... Yeah, it would have. Why are y'all clapping at that? Actually, the main reason I'm, you know, I mean, I ain't that big of a fella, but I'm pretty wiry. I'm pretty wiry. I could have done it. What I was worried about, though, is if I jumped off her, that meant that I am no longer in control of Fiona. I know Fiona. She would have left, and the last thing in the world I wanted to do, more than anything, I didn't mind jumping on the heifer's head, but the thought of riding behind Jared on his horse? <laughs> oh, I knew that. So when you're, when you're roping with Jared and he tells you to jump off, <laughs> just take your time. I knew he wasn't going to give up on me because his rope was on there. So anyway, finally, you know, I got her and, uh, <laughs> I, I'm riding around there and I'm re, I'm rebuilding my loop and everything. And we're both sitting there and Jared is whining about his, his, uh, imperfect, imperf, imperfect decision making abilities of not bringing his jacket. Now that it is raining straight down and all of a sudden I see Jared go like this. I thought he was having a seizure. I thought that LA 200 syringe he was carrying must have poked him in the leg or something. And he said, I really hope you're good under pressure. And I said, why? And about that time, a hailstone nearly knocked my hat off. Boom! 
I was like, I've got a bigger hat than you and a jacket. I ain't worried. <laughs> and during all of this, my phone is ringing off the wall. Bring, bring. I'd silence it because every time it would ring, those cattle would run off. And so I'd silence it with my hand and then text message. Bing, bing, bing. Finally, I was like, okay, what's the matter? Pull it up and Christy said, it's hailing. Yes, honey, I realize that more than anybody else in the world. I understand this. So I put it back in and, and everything. Finally, I get her healed real, real nice and we get her stretched out and, and, and we get her doctored and everything like that. And just as soon as we get done doctoring this heifer, we were real gentle on her. You know, I mean, she didn't choke down or nothing and we made sure of that, you know, first thing you can't, you can't doctor a cow if you're going to just hurt her. And so we were real gentle on her and everything, and she's laying there, and we got her stretched out, and we got her doctor, got her eye dined up, gave her a big old shot of, of LA 200. And anyway, as soon as Jared gets back on his horse, a lot of you, if you're watching online, that was a picture of it that you were looking at beforehand. Jared walk, goes to get back on his horse after all of the work is done, and the sun comes out, and it's the most beautiful day in the world. How many of our lives are just about like that? Just one wreck after another, you forget this, you forget that. You, you know, you don't take a jacket, the storms, you think it's going to be a good day, and it turns out to be nothing but a controlled train wreck. But when we finished, that's when the sun came out. How many of you would like for the sun to come out in your lives? And that's a double metaphor in the S-U-N and the capital S-O-N what your Christian life probably looks like is hoof rot. I think a lot of us are suffering from Christian hoof rot. But there's a reason why it's like that. And you know what I think is funny is, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they're here, I think they're watching online or something, but uh, <laughs> last week we, we met out, we didn't have church out at the house. We didn't have church out at the house. We just had a gathering of cowboys and cowgirls out there. And uh, Skinny Cowboy said a few words about God. But uh, Todd Bridges was going to bring us some cattle to play with. And that morning, uh, they got all the cattle loaded and the keys got locked in the truck while it was running. He loads up the horses and he closes the back deal and the back window shattered at, shatters out of his trailer. And he texts me and he said, do you still want these cattle? <laughs> yeah, I do. But if things are going crazy, you don't have to. Feel free. It's up to you, buddy. Sure enough, he showed up with them a little bit later. You could tell his blood pressure was about 6 million over 9 million, if that's possible. And I felt real bad for him, but Later on, I, you know, I walked up to him and I said, Todd, I said, you've had a rough morning, hadn't you? He goes, about as rough as they come. And I said, well, it's just stuff. And he said, I kind of felt like God was telling me not to come today. And I said, Todd, I said, remember this, God doesn't cause problems, especially when you're doing it for him. I said, anytime you want to step out for God, the devil will throw all sorts of kinks in there to try to keep you from doing it. I said, don't ever blame problems on God. God doesn't cause problems in your life. He offers solutions in your life, if you're willing to keep on keeping on. Do we give up? Three signs that you may be experiencing Christian hoof rot in your life. 
You look the same. When we went out there to, to get that heifer, when she's just standing there with the rest of them, you couldn't pick her apart until she went to walking and then she had a limp where that foot was hurting her real bad. But do you look the same as everybody else, but does your soul feel like it's got a hitch in its get-along? Do you, when, when you do something, do you try to put on the air that everything's okay? That nothing is wrong? That your heart isn't heavy? That your spirit isn't just feel like it's rotting in two? Now we put on the picture that everything's okay, but inside we feel like we've got a limp. We're hurting inside. Three signs you're experiencing Christian hoof rot. You look the same, but it feels like your soul has a limp. That's the first one. The second one is you hurt you hurt more often than you feel good. I actually spotted that heifer when we first rode into the pasture because every heifer out there was standing up eating nice green grass that God had provided, all but one, and she was laid down out there. And when they saw us coming, you know, some of the heifers, you know, they kind of started moving around, and this one tried to get up, and you could tell she was in pain. Do you hurt more often than you feel good? What, what characterizes your life? Is it full of joy and happiness? Eat not despite any storms or trials, but in spite of them. What characterizes your day-to-day -day life? Do you hurt more often than you feel good? Do you ever feel like you're watching life go by outside and you're standing at a window watching it go by? Watching everybody else enjoy life while you're stuck inside just watching, waiting, wanting to be out there and having no idea how to get out there. If you have experienced any of those three things, and it's not an all-inclusive list, it's just some stuff that I jotted down that I think every single one of us, whether watching, listening, or sitting right here, has been through. You look the same. Everybody thinks that you're doing fine, but inside you hurt. You hurt more often than you feel good. And you feel like life is passing you by while you watch out a window. What causes hoof rot, especially in Christians? Now, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you don't know Him, you know, you'll experience these same things. But just because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you thought that that was going to be it, but how come you're still feeling this way? Where's the peace, the joy, the happiness that, that the preacher always talks about having whenever you accept Jesus Christ? When you start living for Him, where is that at? What causes hoof rotten Christians? I think the main thing that causes hoof rot in Christians is Christians that think that Christianity is a desk job. How many of us as Christians actually have a Christian desk job? Christianity is not an 8 to 5 job with air conditioning and Starbucks at 9 o'clock with the lunch between 12 and 1. People want to know God's plan for their lives, but th they want it scheduled out. They want to be put on God's plan schedule. Okay, God, I'm going to be a Christian from 8 to 5, but I will expect a one-hour lunch where I'll be able to get on Facebook and do whatever I want to do. And if you're not watching, I'll be on there anyway playing Candy Crush. Christianity is not an 8 to 5 job. If you're wondering why you feel like you are stuck in here looking out a window at Christians living a full life, it's because you have tried to have Christianity be a desk job. It is far from it. 
It's not structured. Christianity isn't structured where everyone has a certain job and somebody's going to tell you, okay, you're going to go over here and do this. That's what people think of God's plan is like, well, God's plan is he's going to tell me what to do. It's going to be really easy and really fulfilling and everything's just going to go perfect and that's God's plan for my life. Horse hockey. Ain't nothing going to go as planned. God is not going to send you an email in the morning explaining your duties for that day. It's not going to happen. And you know what? There are no two-week vacations or sick days when it comes to Christianity. How many times do we want that? When we feel good, we'll go out and maybe do something for God, but when we're sick, you know, God's not healing me or something like that. Christianity isn't a desk job. How do we get it fixed? How do we fix it? Just like me and Jared stretch that old heifer out, we're not going to stretch you out unless you let us. How do we fix it? How do we get from feeling like our soul has a limp? How do we go from feeling good more often than we hurt? How do we step outside that window and soar like God intended for us to do? You know what? The first thing you do, if you're a Christian and you're sitting at that desk job and you're waiting on what to be told to do and where to go and how to do it and everything like that, how many of you, if you've ever had a desk job, just wanted to stand up and grab the bottom of it and just flip it over and say, no more. I'm blowing this joint. You need to do that in your spiritual lives. Throw that desk over, throw caution to the wind, and get out there and start living. There's nothing keeping you from doing it except you. Quit being safe in your faith. There is nothing safe about Christianity. You're going to have to expose yourself. You're going to have to be put in situations where you are not comfortable. You're going to have to do things that is so far beyond your means and capability that you have no idea what you're doing or how you're going to do it. I hate the phrase that says that... uh how, do, how does it go? Uh, God won't give you anything more than you can handle. That's horse hockey point number two. If you can handle it, why would you need God? If you can do it all, you don't need Him. People shy away from things because, well, God hasn't given me the ability to do that, so I'm not going to do it. That must be somebody else's job. That's old Bob down in accounting's job. No, it's not. It's a sure sign that if you think you should be going and doing something and you have no idea how to do it, how you're going to get it done, you have no experience whatsoever, no finances to get it done, no nothing, I'm pretty sure God's telling you to do that. As a matter of fact, it's probably a given. Turn that spiritual desk over and forget everything that you know. Quit trying to organize your Christian life in a set of, okay, I'm going to do this today and this today and this today, and then I'll do this after lunch, and if I need to have a meeting, oh, go put a horse between your legs and go do something. You want to feel God? Do that. And if you don't have a horse, do something else. But get out there and do something. Quit marinating. That does not mean serenading. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the other day, Griffin, we got home and he ran out there to the garden and there's a, uh, there's a cross tie on the garden and he was standing there kind of like this. And it was dark and Christy said, Griffin, what are you doing? He said, I'm marinating the garden. She said, Griffin, don't pee on the garden. He said, I'm not peeing on it, I'm singing to it. 
If you need me to explain that to you, please come forward. I also learned a new term from my son. A lot of people think these things right here where men grow this patch of hair a little bit down their, down past their ears, those are not sideburns, they are sidebrows. That's what I was informed out of the mouths of babes. Overturn that spiritual desk and start living. I can't tell you to do it. I can't go turn your desk over. You have a choice. You have to do it. Well, it's too heavy. Well, pull the drawers out and scatter them. I don't care. Call me and Jared. We'll help you build a potato gun and we'll fire stuff at it. Better yet, call us anyway. We'll build a potato gun. Overturn that desk. Quit being safe in your faith. Start living, guys. Start living. Be joyous. It's a choice. God gave us free will, but how many times do we just lock ourselves in that office? Got the mini blinds pulled up. Got that one mini blind that's broken where you were peeking out. Man, throw that window wide open and escape the monotony because your soul has a limp in it. You're hurting more than you're feeling good. And the answer is not found in the safety and comfort of a cubicle. And I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually. Open the window and fly. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Does that characterize your life or is that the complete opposite of your relationship with God? It really is up to you. God's plan for your life is exciting. It's not mundane. It's not boring. God's plan for your life, most of the time you're probably going to be hot, tired, covered in filth, and feeling awesome. You're liable to have a little bit of mud on your boots. Probably going to have a blister on your finger. God's plan for your life, most of the time God's plan for your life will result in low pay and benefits that are eternal. But how many of us are seeking the high pay with no eternal benefits? Where are your priorities? Maybe you need to start reevaluating them. And the last thing, God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life is not for sissies. It's fun. It's rowdy. It's tough. You're going to get frustrated. You're not going to know what to do. But who cares? Make it up as you go along. I think that's the prerequisite for cowboys. Can you make stuff up as you go along? Pretty good at that. Great, you're hired. Same with Christianity. Get out there and start living. You can't. It's not safe. It's not a desk job. It's screaming out across the pasture at 9-0, gathering for God, spreading the word, helping the hurting. That's what God's plan for all of our lives are. You know, this old world is full of tough trails and scary switchbacks. Our prayer is that God spoke to you today through his word. If you heard God talking to you, just get on the internet and visit us at SaveTheCowboy.com. We're trying to reach every corner of the globe wherever there might be a cowboy or cowgirl that needs to hear God's word in a way that they can understand but we can't do that without your support. You can become a saddle partner with us at our website, www.savethecowboy.com, or contact us at 303-621-0133. Get out there and do what God's telling you to do. This program was brought to you by Western LLC, facility development for the oil and gas and aviation industries across the western United States. Reach them at westernllc.net. 
Also by the good folks at Integrity Auto Repair in Kiowa, Colorado, and Comanche Creek Enterprises. Contact them today for no-till drilling and burrowing rodent control. <laughs> 